Hello, and welcome to We Speak CVE, a free podcast from the CVE program. On this podcast, we'll talk with people from the cybersecurity community about what else? Cybersecurity and vulnerability management and the CVE catalog of vulnerabilities. If you didn't know, the CVE program's mission is to identify, define, and catalog publicly disclosed cybersecurity vulnerabilities. Hey, how's it going? Uh, my name is Todd Beardsley. I am a member of the CVE board here, and I'm joined by two other board members. Folks, why don't you introduce yourself, starting with Shannon. Hi, I'm Shannon Sabins, and I am, as Todd said, also a member of the CVE board, uh, and I am also the co-chair of the Outreach Working Group for CVE. Kent? Uh, I am Kent Lanfield, uh, founding one of the founding board members of CVE back in 1999, um, and uh, the chair of the uh, Strategic Planning Working Group. Well, that's amazing. Um, I think today is the first day I learned that you were actually you were part of it and back in 1999. I had no idea. Um, well, hey. Uh, so today, you may be wondering why I've asked you here today, and I'll tell you. Um, we are going to spend a couple episodes uh, talking about CVE myths, and we're, we're hoping to uh, maybe give some clarity out to the, the folks in the world uh, who are affected by CVE, either as users or as implementers or, or whatever, um, and what is the CVE program uh, today and here in, in sunny 2021, uh, as opposed to how it how it used to be. But I think in order to get into those details and into those like particular myths, I think Kent, you are a uh, ideal candidate uh, to give us a little bit of a, a a walking tour of where we've been over the last oh 20 something years. Uh, so CV is not a static program, uh, and I think uh, what you're you, you, you are in the best position, I think, to, to illustrate that point. Oh, thanks, Todd. Yeah, CV has uh, had quite a journey over the last 22 years. Um, it has uh, morphed in multiple ways, both from the format, uh, limited format that only gave us 10,000 CVEs a year to uh, what we have today, which is really unlimited. Um, it started off with a small group uh, of folks who were very, very active. We created static, or sorry, we created um, uh, candidate CVEs. They were called CANs, and they had to be validated by the program. So the individual board members actually did the uh, evaluation to see if it was, in fact, a vulnerability. It was quickly realized that didn't scale really well. Um, voting on every single CVE and testing it was just not something we had the capability for. Um, but through the years, CVE as a program has adjusted and evolved to address the uh, expanding vulnerability landscape. Uh, in uh, 2016, uh, we had what I would um, call a sort of a revelation uh, com coming uh, out, so to speak, from a standpoint of really understanding that we had to change as a program. Uh, we created a federated environment that didn't exist before. It was very flat. Um, we had what was at the time one route uh, within the program who was issuing uh, all the, all the uh, CVE descriptions. Uh, we had a lot of things that we needed to change and we did. 
Um, and in doing so, we've created a, a very um, flexible team of, of folks on the CV board who are contributing to the program's advancement. Um, the board now uh, is the guiding factor for the program. This is now a community effort. Um, it was originally comprised of a lot of different vendors. Um, that's changed as well. We have a user community, we, we have vendors, we have open source projects, we have a great diversity of, of folks on the board to bring their voices and their, their, uh, uh, their ideas to how to improve the program for their uses. So um, I'll, I'll leave it at that at this point and Bob, <laughs> if you have any other questions. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so you would say, uh, you know, in, in fact, I think I'll, I think I'll throw to Shannon here. Like it is, it is so myth number one, right? Um, the CVE program is run entirely by uh, the MITRE corporation. Uh, that is, that is absolutely not true. Would you, would you agree with that, Shannon? I've heard that before and, and I was flabbergasted. So MITRE is the secretariat but the board mm -hmm. runs the program. And I, I think of MITRE as um, there to support and enable what we decide and, and, what, we, and what we want to do directionally, um, which they do an absolutely fantastic job um, and are tremendously appreciated by the board. But I, I was flabbergasted to learn that that was a perception that's out there. The board runs the program. The board makes all the programmatic decisions. MITRE enables those decisions with us. Yeah, for sure. And they don't have like, well, okay. I mean, like, let's just let's just address it right away, right? Does the does we have a board, and that's great. We have a bunch of working groups where a lot of the work is actually done, um, which has a whole bunch of other people on them. Um, but does MITRE have like special power and special pull these days uh, in in the CVE in the CVE program? If MITRE decided uh, to to do something crazy, right, something radical with the CVE program, would that does that just pass through? Um, I'm just I guess I'm just trying to find out from you, Kent, how much of a puppet is the board of of this of the MITRE Corporation? Well, there was a time when that was the case, um, when MITRE did run the, the entire program, but um, that had changed in 2016, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, rather dramatically. Um, the board is really in charge of the program at this point, and uh, MITRE understands their, their, uh, they, their secretariat, they're actually providing services to the program. This is a community effort now, and it truly is a community effort, which is something that you know, it took us a while to, to get to, but it's really been positive ever since. And the support we've gotten from the secretariat has been fabulous uh, and, and really outstanding. So um, this this was something that was sort of a monumental change for the program. And yeah. uh, it was good to have that happen. Yeah. And, and so, like, I guess in that vein, right, um, no, there is no, like, one organization um, or a person really, it's not like a cult of personality or anything, um, that is, that is directing CVE, right? Like it is, it is, as far as I can tell, truly like a community effort. I mean, I'm, no, I'm aware of other boards out in the world for other, for other organizations. That's really just kind of an in-club of, of, of people who are fairly monolithic, right? Um, Kent, would you say that, <laughs> would you say that the decision-making process, uh, that, that goes on in board meetings or down in the working groups, um, would you say that that feels more monolithic or is there more spirited debate? In, uh, uh, in my uh, 
a strategic planning working group, there's a lot of spirited debate. We take on uh, the tough issues and um, no one is, has limited their opinions uh, or, or held back at any time if they disagreed. Now, that's a, that's, this is truly a consensus process, and um, we are working very hard to assure that we get consensus or we continue working until we can. So um, th there is no one, this is the way it's going to be kind of approach to, to things anymore. Um, this is now truly a community consensus project. And I guess too, like, so let's go down that 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 road a little more, right? Um, the CVE program um, is not controlled by like one organization. Um, one thing I've heard um, off and on over the years, not so much lately, but let's just address it right now, since this is a myth myth busting, myth exposing podcast, um, is that the CVE program is controlled by software vendors. Uh, Shannon, um, do you have any opinions on that? <laughs> Well, I totally do. Um, so, you know, the organization that I work for, my day job currently, um, is not a CNA. Uh, we're a security vendor. You and I, Todd, both come uh, to the C to the CBE program from backgrounds working with research. So, you often uh, might hear um, perceptions about uh, large vendors running the program, and and you know. Of course, we welcome more researcher involvement, but you and I are perfect examples of, of persons who've come from research orgs into the CVE program, right? So we, I think we are much more diverse than people realize. And certainly, um, as you mentioned, we have uh, open source projects. We have persons who come, uh, numerous persons who come from research backgrounds. Um, we are definitely a more diverse program than that. Yeah, and I think that's that's true for the last, especially for the last uh, couple of years. Um, you know, Microsoft definitely has a presence uh, in in the CVE program, but they're not they're not calling the shots, right? Um, Kent, um, I'm I'm curious, like, has this how different is this today than it than it has been in the past? Like, how would someone come to the conclusion? Do you think maybe straw man it a little bit? Like, oh no, it's totally about the vendors and they bury things. Well, initially, we it was a group of vendors. The the intent initially was to try to find a common identifier for specifically at the time IDS vendors because what we were seeing were IDS vendors were all seeing the same event that was occurring, but we couldn't correlate it as the single common event. So we had incident response teams jumping left and right, seeing if these were different events that were occurring for from different attacks. Um, CVID allowed the vendors to incorporate that into their logging mechanisms so that they could identify that this was in fact the same event uh, that's seen by multiple IDS vendors or it was uh, a different one so they could take appropriate action. So initially it was based on vendors and uh, through the years we knew as a, as a community that the, the vendors were, were helping but they weren't the solution to the problem and we needed to get other voices involved and, and other communities represented to, to actually improve the program to uh, where we're getting to and when where we are today yeah for sure i mean i i used to work at one of those ids vendors and it was a hassle um you know i still do work on on some other projects where we have references and 
it's I would say it's unusual today to have you know uh, some kind of security entry come in that doesn't have um, a CV identifier associated with it um, these days. Of course, they still happen. Um, you know, we don't. The CVE program does not assign an ID uh, to everything, and I think that's a, a fine way to get into our next kind of major topic. We've talked about the makeup of the CVE, like who actually uh, is 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 doing the work there um, to to make the CVE program you know accessible to you know everybody, users included. Um, but what does the CVE actually cover? Um, what kinds of vulnerabilities? Uh, are in and what kinds of vulnerabilities are out? Um, uh, Kent, you want to uh, you want to take a run at this one, and uh, I'll, I'll throw I get, in my opinion as well. <laughs> yeah, I can get it started. Um, from the standpoint of CV, we hoped very early on that we'd be able to cover you know everything. This was the very beginning of CVE. Um, after a few months, uh, it was quite obvious this was going to be quite a task, and we didn't have the right structure to scale. So through the years, CV has actually um, uh, morphed in, in how it does its processes to try to accommodate more and more vulnerability uh, identification. Um, in 2016, um, we realized that we needed to federate, um, and that federation was very important because it allows for uh, additional large numbers of, of CNAs, of uh, CV numbering authorities, to be able to be incorporated into the program. So this was a pretty big milestone for the program and being able to sort of supercharge our ability to get um, CVE uh, information that's needed to actually identify a vulnerability in the wild. So, you know, through the years, this has been an evolving program. And as such, we are we're able to address a lot more today. And we're just at the beginning of the, of the federation aspects. Um, yeah. we're, we're growing that and, and providing additional uh, automation services, which should help quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, Shannon, uh, I'm, I'm curious what your, what your thoughts are here, especially um, you <laughs> coming more in from a security kind of research background. Um, do you have any, uh, any, any thoughts on like what are the the ins and outs on on vulnerabilities uh, as far as CVE is concerned? As far as CVE is concerned, I think we do have to look at at how approaching the problem may be in the best service of utilizing uh, of servicing those who utilize CVE um, and all the different sort of roles and stakeholders that utilize CVE. Not everything. Um, scales, and and there are um, some things that per may be perhaps less useful to all the stakeholders than others. So, you know, we kind of have to, uh, like anything else, prioritize what makes sense for those for those utilizing um, the the fruits of the program, if you will. So, um, you know, does does a CVE for every cross-site scripting, you know, website vulnerability make sense? Is that possible? Does that scale? Perhaps not, right? You know, and I would say too that there's a difference in kind there. If you if you would, there's a difference right? in like, kind there, right? So, like a, a cross-site scripting vulnerability on my personal website probably not going to be a right. CVE. Exactly. A persistent cross-site scripting vulnerability in Gmail, maybe. Bingo. Bingo. 
So what's, you know, so what's useful, what's optimally useful to, you know, what's optimally useful to the community um, and what's the best service to the community? We have to think about that um, and make thoughtful considerations about that. You know, and, and we are looking at additional areas for, for programmatic growth with regard to um, OT, IOT, um, you know, here we have real opportunities for useful growth and, you know, we're reaching out in those directions and we're reaching out for regional growth. Um, these things may be more important and more useful than trying to cover, you know, every single possible uh, vulnerability that's out there, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the other aspect here that should be noted is that technology has advanced so so quickly in the last 10 years um, that we're finding many additional sectors uh, that uh, are in need of being able to identify vulnerabilities. Uh, you know, the healthcare device uh, markets one, um, automotives another. There are there are emerging technology areas where um, we're working to get CVE to be an active participant in those worlds as well. Exactly, and that's something we're thinking about both, you know, programmatically overall, and and in particular in the outreach committee. Yeah, right. Like the 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 organizations that become CVE numbering authorities or CNAs, uh, we say CNA, we throw around CNA a lot. We may have even mentioned it once or twice in the podcast, expanding it. Um, you know, that's not by accident. Um, you know, there are there are organizations that just kind of originate on their own. They say like, oh, yep, I would love to be a CNA. I know that I have vulnerabilities in the products that I right, OC. Um, I never know. I never know what the acronyms actually stand for. Um, but uh, with your role in outreach, right, like you are specifically targeting certain vendors in certain industries. Is that is that accurate to say? Right. Uh, Joe, who's the co-chair of the outreach working group, mm -hmm. um, does a lot of the outreach herself. But we as as a group do look at um, where we want to reach out. And we're specifically thinking about how do we round out the program, you know, in a way that's meaningful, you know, both regionally and in terms of sector, you know, how do we how do we try to get the involvement um, that that makes sense and and is um, is the information that people are going to find useful, right? I say the federation has actually allowed us to grow quite a bit. CVE in the early days was very U.S. based. Now we have 31 countries participating um, with uh, 180 plus 182 organizations, I think, at the last count um, around the world that are participating. And that's a rapid growth that's all occurred since uh, our move to federation. So what's interesting to me is that, um, you know, with all the Federation and bringing in more people to CVE, um, a lot of times like we'll start going down uh, conversational paths, right? Where we are trying to decide what is and isn't a vulnerability. And what's interesting to me that if you read the the CVE rules, uh, which we'll have a link in the show notes, uh, the, the assignment rules there, um, I believe it's the first rule uh, says that if a vendor says that something is a vulnerability, it's a vulnerability. Um, so that gives, I think, the CVE program like a lot of leeway, right? Of how to define vulnerabilities, um, you know, what's in and what's out, 
um, all with the input of uh, this, the CBE community. I mean, I, like you say, Kent, like there's 180 plus, probably 200 by the end of the year, um, uh, uh, participants in the CBE program. And, and as we grow and expand, I have to believe that like our definitions of like what is and is not like an identifiable vulnerability will also expand. Um, but that also brings me to severity, which which Shannon t touched on a couple times. Like, is CVE in the business of assigning severity, uh, risk, or a threat level, maybe, or whatever other kind of words you want to use in there, uh, to these to these um, identified vulnerabilities, Kent? So you're you're asking is CVE a scoring system? I am asking that. Okay, well, CVE is not a scoring system. Um, there is uh, CVSS, which is used um, quite extensively. It was the original um, uh, means for scoring. It's not associated with CVE at all, even though they use the individual records and score those records themselves. This was something developed by first.org. Um, and the uh, uh, the organization is now at uh, version 3.1 of CVSS, and um, they continue to develop scoring mechanisms, uh, enhancing CVSS. Uh, additionally, it should be noted that there are other scoring systems out there that are emerging um, that are um, they, they're showing promise. Uh, one is uh, SSVC, which is a Carnegie Mellon. Uh, CC effort uh, that you'll be hearing about more in the not too distant future. Um, that is more decision-based attributes, which is uh, useful in trying to localize what a what is critical to your organization. Um, the other is EPSS, and I think it's Exploit Prediction Scoring System. Um, that is a scoring system that uh, looks at utilizing artificial intelligence to try to predict whether uh, a specific vulnerability has the potential to be exploited within the next 12 months. So scoring systems exist, uh, and some of them are gaining, uh, some new ones are emerging that are gaining steam. Um, CVSS uh, is the one that has been there to from pretty much uh, not too long after uh, CVE, it was needed to prioritize uh, in some respects, uh, but um, uh, CVE is not really associated with uh, the CVSS scores, although um, the, the identifiers of the vulnerability, the vendors, the open source projects, whoever, um, quite often will incorporate uh, the uh, CVSS score that they have calculated for their vulnerability before it goes into the CVSS corpus, which then goes to NIST, who for all intent and purposes has been creating the base scores for um, years and years and years for um, all of the CVEs that come through. Right, yeah, and NIST, yeah. like I think it's important to note, right, that NIST is not CVE. Um, there are, there's definitely some crossover there. Um, we have, we have at least one board member I can think of <laughs> that is, uh, spends a lot of time in NIST. Um, but, but NIST, while NIST does do some of that, that initial scoring, um, that's not, that, that's not required for CVE. I know that like the CVE, like the JSON format, um, that, that is the data of, of a given CVE ID. It has a space for scoring, um, but it's, it's definitely not required. Um, and it's not, 
and and so as a result like you will see plenty of cves that like don't have that tag into them um that may be changed that may change in the future right like who knows who knows what the unknowable future holds um but as of as of today as far as i know um you know that's not score scoring relative you know awfulness <laughs> on on given vulnerabilities is not what cve is about um cve gives people some tools to do that um but that's not that's not something that we uh that that we provide we don't have a scoring system we don't yeah. know cbss right <laughs> correct cool well hey um i think uh that's that's honestly kind of all i have prepared for today um but uh you know shannon or kent uh, feel free to jump in if there's any kind of closing remarks you have for at least this episode and i know we have not touched a bunch of other things um but for at least this episode um I, if you have anything else to to add uh lay it on me well, I don't think so. I think we covered a lot of good ground. I mean, there are there are some myths out there about the program um, where we've had issues. We've worked hard to address those issues and um, to federate the program, to uh, get more work done, to increase involvement, to increase scope, both in terms of sector and regionality, um, and, and to broadly increase participation, you know, so that we can uh, continue to do more as the space grows. So we are we are certainly a dynamic organization, um, and uh, and we are you know happy to address places where we you know may have fallen short. Um, we're working hard to do that. Yeah, I would agree. The the term dynamic, I think, is much more appropriate uh, over the last few years than um, than it was at any point in the past in the CBE's 22 year history. Um, the program is absolutely moving forward, moving on, and and trying to address the issues that we've had in the past, as, as Shannon mentioned. Um, but there's a lot of new uh, capabilities that we're bringing to fold uh, in the very short uh, term that you'll be seeing uh, and hearing from. Um, I would pay attention to the changes that are occurring because they may affect you downstream um, in a positive way and taking advantage of them could be beneficial to your organization. But in any case, uh, you know, this is this is a, a, a positive program with a lot of positive people trying really hard to make sure that they can make a difference in the vulnerability management, the vulnerability identification fields. And with that, yeah, I'll turn it back to you. <laughs> plus one to that. It's amazing to me, like how passionate the people are uh, who are involved in CVE. So if this sounds like a group you'd like to hang out with a lot, uh, come on over to the uh, CVE website. If you just Google CVE CNA, you'll find it. Uh, and you too can uh, sign up to become a CVE numbering authority. And with that, uh, I'll leave you be. Come back next time for more myths uh, that we will address and bust and do all those things that one does with myths. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Shannon and, and Kent, for coming on today. Thank you for joining us today on the We Speak CVE podcast, which is available for free on Buzzsprout and the CVE website. If you'd like to participate or suggest a topic, please contact us on the CVE website.